If you can call me Sam, I'll call you Al, because this is Viger Please, a heinous trip at Warp 5. My name is Joseph. And I'm your co-host. <clears throat> Sorry. And I'm your co-star from that other sci-fi show we were in, Peter. <laughs> Peter, before we launch into this week's episode, I want to make sure that I shout out the fan of the week, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. He gets the front po- parking spot. He does. Fan of the week. Troy from the trauma support group. We've never talked about Troy before because Troy's a very quiet man. He doesn't like to post, but I, I still now know that he's internalized a deep Vija please wisdom because he posted to remind us that the first time he posted back in 2019, he told us straight up that we were using the term bottle episode incorrectly. And then when we really meant filler episodes and only reposted that just as a gotcha as a consequence of the bottle episode discourse that we have opened up in the last few weeks. Troy, you're still wrong, but you're still the fan of the week because that, that is amazing. That is 15 out of 10 executive level thinking. You're going to, you're going to wind up with a corner office here on Vija please with, at this rate. Game respect game. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is the kind of following that we've enjoyed, uh, cultivating over the years so troy you're the platonic ideal of the major please fan this week the poster child of shittiness two thumbs up speaking of shittiness what did we watch this week oh boy season one episode 21 detained thank god that the powers that be in enterprise structured season one the way they did and that they put detained and uh oasis Oasis. which one was oasis acquisition that's how fucking crazy it is that like these past couple episodes have been so shallow they're immediately falling off oasis is the one with the hologram crew yeah the one we did last week yeah uh acquisition which was the frangie idiot circus generations and then rogue planet which rogue planet i have written in my notes it was trash and as i see what's coming after it <laughs> like it's significantly less trash <laughs> it's not it's not weighing so so heavily Even, on your on your conscious anymore i mean fusion's really the high point for me and that was we had serious gripes because of the treatment of DePaul in that one like i i'm i'm very curious what the writing process looked like through enterprise for them to hit what i think is such a bad stint and i would have called it the trilogy of terror but how many did i just list off here more than Four or five, five <laughs> like the pentemvirant of terror. I don't know where we're going from here, but I hope to God it's up because this is serious quality drop off. We've been seeing. I mean, this is why no one was around by the time the show got good, right? Like enterprise doesn't have the bad reputation it has for no reason. It was rough starting out. It wasn't and- rough starting off starting out. It was okay to really good. Well, I mean, by starting, I mean season one. Like when when your land when your landing strip has this many fucking potholes in it, people stop watching your show, and they don't come back, and for good reason. I cannot blame anybody who starts hitting the eject button around now. So for the for the audience, something you should probably know uh, about how we have approached our recording this evening is that Peter wanted to do a skit, and the skit was going to be 
us simulating a conversation between Archer and uh, Admiral Forrest to, in in a way, summarize all of the batshit decision-making that goes into this episode to make the plot work. But we decided after we kind of sketched out what that would look like that we couldn't because it would basically supplant everything we were going to say about the entire episode that we would have nothing to talk about if we shotgunned out all of our content like that. It was the first time that's ever happened. Yeah. First time we're like, we can't do this. Why? Because then what the fuck are we going to talk about? Just, we're going to repeat our. It's like, hey, remember that skit? Yeah. All right. We're done. You know, here's here's that great theme song. We're out of here. It, it, you know, they brought it in Dean Stockwell for this, obviously, which is something they clearly had a mind to do from the start is to, to bring him in because, hey, you know, Quantum Leap reunion. These guys know how to work with each other. That'll be great. So this is the one they picked to bring him in for. It's obviously a big continuity episode for the meta plot of the show. It brings up shit all the way going back to the pilot. It was meant to be a big deal. They also like decided to make this the, a message episode, as Memory Alpha puts it, which is a good way of describing it. it is It is such a on-the-fucking-nose episode about Japanese internment camps during World War II in the United States. They actually directly reference that that factoid by the third act like they're not even letting you like have the the intellectual uh, space to like draw that conclusion on your own they don't trust you right like Jatrell was more uh respectful of your intelligence that it was about you know oppenheimer dealing with the morality of having created the atomic bomb via metaphor no no they're not even going to allow you the space to see that for yourself. They're just going to fucking tell you that's what it's about. The most heavy-handed way possible. And to make the plot work, it requires Jonathan Archer to initiate Janeway levels of crazy decision-making. Like, just the stupidest things he could possibly do in each possible circumstance. It's one for the books, and I don't know if I can call it. I know I certainly wouldn't call it the worst episode of the season. Um, That's still acquisition. <laughs> it's not close. I would not be surprised if acquisition comes off as being the worst episode of the first two seasons. That was that was bad, and I mean there were people in the in the Facebook group, the trauma support group, that were like going up to bat for that thing. Um, we have some misguided souls. They yeah. need to learn from Troy. <laughs> They're way <laughs> off base. They need to learn to listen to, to the impl- the employee, the listener of the week. Yeah. Been a while since we've had a jailbreak episode or has it? Uh, I mean, acquisition was a jailbreak episode, I'd say. Uh, and for the record, too, I. <laughs> Oasis so- was a jailbreak episode, too, because Paul was captured. So we've had three in a row, really. Yeah. Yeah. I metaphorically speaking yeah and and going back to acquisition i do want to uh say on air that yeah that totally should have just been trip waking up going to the transporter room and then transporting all the frangie into the brig or maybe into the wall of the brig for a fun industrial accident there but yeah i just really tried to put him in the brig and it just didn't quite sorry cap <laughs> the one that looks like jeffrey combs wound up uh, in, inside the bars <laughs> you know, i'd really like to investigate this alien race and find out more about them but we've just um committed some very heinous 
uh, Cronenberg crimes to them. So let's just dump them off on the nearest M-class tra- planet. A transporter never seen their their kind before, so I believe their brains are now <laughs> in their butts. They may they may be permanently damaged. <laughs> Getting into this turd. We're waking up with everybody knocked the fuck out yet again. It's Mayweather and it's Archer laying on the floor of a, a little hut and Mayweather gets up and gives us the second super half-assed effort to wake up another crew member right up there with acquisition. He get half a shake. Yeah. Hey, Archer kind of. Hey, cat. Uh, hey, okay. I'll just look around. Let me tell you what. We talked a lot in Voyager about the need to put subdermal communicators under people's skin to track them when they get lost or whatever. And then they do it. And then it makes you. Oh, very I'm angry. sorry. We're, we're <laughs> <laughs> Please, my my blood pressure, please. (laughs) I know we're middle aged now. We got to watch that. You got all these fucking pockets on these jumpsuits. Maybe you take this one over the left shoulder and you just you put some smelling salts in there. okay? (laughs) because I feel like there's been especially for Archer, given all the head wounds, man, you know, he's going to need them. It's like fucking Rocky out there. He's ready to come out the corner (laughs) (laughs) like Apollo Creed. The bell's about to ring, bro. You got to get ready. There's at least, I want to say, three times now that everybody's just been knocked the fuck out. It's it's time to adapt the technology. What a, what a report back to Starfleet Command that's going to be. <laughs> Captain Archer, what's it like to be out in deep space? Well, it turns out you get on, you'd be rendered unconscious a lot. <laughs> like everyone. It would stink if it's not your thing. But luckily, Starfleet uh, Psychology Department really did a great job placing me a masochist as the uh, captain of the Enterprise. Everything has been great. I'm enjoying exploring all these brave new concussions. It, it becomes obvious to the viewer that they're in a prison. And as mentioned, what we're going to find out, of course, of the episode is this very much is on the nose Japanese internment. You know, this is of Suleban that are apparently in this camp. They were at one point uh, residents of this part of space as immigrants. They were voluntold to go into these camps after the cabal, the bad uh, Suleban that have been fucking with the Enterprise this season uh, started fucking with this uh, civilization and they're held in what you would call semi-reasonable detention you know, they've got families, they're grow food, no water, and it was like torturing them. But it's also very much prison and dehumanizing in the way that any sort of confinement is. They've got families getting split up. Yeah, you know, the, there's, the there's like a there's a system, but the system still kind of exists at the whim of the state. So it's not really like due process. Like I I this is happening because right at the time this episode was produced the sort of political reckoning over Japanese internment had become more urgent because it was 60 years since it had started. And there were uh, efforts to try and uh, do some kind of reparations or official apologies or whatever for the surviving people who were interred uh, because of the, you know, like America does America. We fuck things up less than you think, but more than you hope, right? Like, eh, probably wasn't a great idea with the whole taking away your civil liberties, even though your citizens thing are bad. Let's, you know, say sorry. So this was produced when this was kind of like uh, something that was going in on in, in the in the political dynamics of the country was readdressing this. This is uh, April 24th, 2002 
initial air date. And I wanted to actually bring that up was like, because <clears throat> some of this is kind of like, why do they have to name this specifically borderline eye rolly? Like, come on, very clearly we see what was going on here. Does this have to be named? But like when this came out, was that super public knowledge uh, to the U.S. at the time? And I guess also in a certain way, there's a lot of parallels in this episode because you got the Taliban. I think that that was last on the the writers' minds because they go whole hog into war on terror stuff later. Um, this, I think, was an idea they had prior to to that because of of the fact that this was now something that Americans were more aware of that they frankly weren't like i didn't know much about i didn't either tournaments until literally this stuff really started coming up you know what no i take that back we learned about that in uh senior history yeah like there was like a sorry i know like this might not be the most interesting thing but if i guess if you're from not from the united states this might all be old new information it came up in history that it happened but like what that meant was never given context until there was like this whole reckoning over it because you know it happened in 41 started you know the Pearl Harbor happened in 41 and the internment basically was kicked off in, in 42 and this was 60 years later and George Takai was actually somebody that was in the internment camps you know and clearly there's a trek connection to that and that sort of thing so there was this sense of it that everyone became more aware of uh, that maybe had faded over the decades and um, that's why it would felt very trendy to do. Speaking of writers, story by Rick Berman and Bran Branagh, directed by David Livingston, our old dear friend David. What do we say the, the difference between story and teleplay? Because teleplay is Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strong. With Rick Berman on everything along with Braga, is it just like they're sitting there popping off ideas in executive offices and they've got like a legal pad with a bunch of like hooks. And then they actually go to like the real writer's room and say, all right, turn this into a script. Is, is that how it works? It's essentially? Yes. I, there might be somebody in the V'ger please orbit that can define this a little bit more clearly. My understanding is story credits are typically reserved for the people that have the ideas that germinate the sort of the basis of the story. And the teleplay and, and that's a, a specific choice of words, right? Like this is where you're actually like defining the dialogue stage directions, who does what, where the structure, right? So when that labor gets divided up over the, over a single script, that's where these descriptors come in. Cause sometimes it's just written by, right? Because one person did everything. This is a circumstance where clearly Berman and Braga had the idea for the story. And then, like you said, it kind of like went into the hands of other writers who then, laid out on a technical level exactly how it's all going to be structured. So we figure out we're in jail and uh, Archer has Mayweather. Woe is me that Mayweather is Archer's prison buddy on this one. Yeah. Anyone else, anyone else would have been better. I remember when we really started going to town on Garrett Wong and you called him the worst Berman Trek actor. And then you said uh, Mayweather's the, the number two worst character portrayal out there. And I didn't I didn't understand really where you were coming from, but I see it now. And I almost might say that Kim might actually be portrayed better consistently 
than what we see with Mayweather. And I, I, know I just think Garrett, to... Garrett Wong personally annoys me. So that's why I think I'm biased against him. Whereas uh, Anthony Montgomery is just, you know, he's just a nice guy. Uh, I, but from pure acting ability, I, I don't I, even I know think if it's just might... acting. I think the, the way the character is written, I, I think Kim's just a better character overall. Like this, everything about it stinks. And I regret having him on screen. And again, I think this Anthony guy seems like a, a nice dude and nothing personal against him. It's just, man, it slogs down these fucking scenes. I really wish it would have been Hoshi that would have sucked down in there with him. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to sit would've... there and try and fucking finger point directly at it, like he gets a little bit of juicy stuff when he's like, hey, you know, you can't basically judge people by the color of their skin and, you know, what race they are. She could have had that exact same dialogue and it would have been perfectly uh, uh, applicable to the situation. And, yeah, if you're going to do a message episode, then then fucking do the message episode. And Hoshi would have, I think, been a better choice simply because it would have provided a much better interface for the cultural understanding of sussing out the Sulban and, and someone that would be like more interested in that because of her role on the ship and mm-hmm. her her personal interests and also like, you know, like it, this, this episode lacked a certain soft skills, you know, like there was just not, there wasn't a very good balance with uh, trying to bring in the humanity into the situation at all in the prison camp. Uh, and I think Hoshi might've been the right character to do that. Uh, but it is what it is. We're stuck with uh, a wooden plank and also Archer. <laughs> and it was it's pretty much right away that they get uh, hauled in in front of uh, Dean Stockwell, right? Well, yeah, we get introduced to the bad guys of the week and it's going to be uh some some early history standing collar jackbooted fascists with look, just a tiny little thing on their fucking bridge of their nose. Yeah, like a little horseshoe. Yeah, just this little little thing, little, little bajoran tiny little thing basically. Uh, and uh, they are therefore aliens. They're Tandarans. And we meet Dean Stockwell's character, Colonel Gratt, who immediately has a little pad where he's dialing up information. So they definitely went for the uh, all of the, the, the hand link Ziggy connection. Yes. The, all of the quantum leap connection they could. What we will find out is that Colonel Gratt is extraordinarily reasonable. This man is actually like, oh, you know, you guys just kind of wandered into the wrong part of space. That's why you got zapped. Actually, we can get you out of here. We got a justice process, but take a few days. Pretty know? heavy on the bureaucracy around here, which I would think is something that you guys could appreciate, especially the Vulcan flying your ship. He's like straight up with him. Like, yeah, I know the Sulaban, right? Like uh, I read your database on your shuttlecraft, man. Like, you guys are running into them too, huh? You want to like, let's you let's like and sympathize with what's going on here. Side note: How, how much information is on this fucking shuttlecraft? Because it seems like apparently everything—it's got everything: sensitive mission logs, personal logs, captain's log entry, sensor readings—you name it. It's on these. I, I guess I can't really say ultra disposable shuttle pods, but uh, often almost destroyed little proto death carts. I would like by the end of this, 
there to be a report somewhere. And, you know, part of like the, well, you know, it should be policy. It should be protocol. Maybe the away team should check in every 10 minutes. Maybe they should scan the landing zone, even if it's a friendly area. Maybe we shouldn't keep all of our mission logs. (laughs) Like note to self, do not put a ton of incriminating information in the shuttle pods. Note to self, put password on computer. Yes. Make sure password is not password one. (laughs) It turns out sex or love. (laughs) Turns out aliens are good at cracking the code. (laughs) I saw a password and I was like, oh, I'm fucked. And then I accidentally hit the space bar and it just went forward. So Dean Stockwell in this, what was the right way to use Dean Stockwell? You think they would have put Dean Stockwell in that fucking stupid Frankie makeup for acquisition and had him act like a fucking rodeo clown? No. Now, like the idea of him being an antagonist for an episode makes sense. And specifically that, like, I actually like the idea that it's this guy who is a potential ally, but is distasteful. Like that's an interesting place to go with any story, right? Just very generically that if he's like this, you know, he's this colonel of this, you know, planet's militia and they're like super paranoid and therefore he, they, he has like an amazing intelligence network and he has all this information that would be useful to Archer. And he's got to figure out how, what he's willing to do if he's willing to fucking deal with this guy in order to get this information. It could be important to his mission, right? Or understanding what the fuck was going on with the whole temporal cold war thing that, you know, he, he seems to be in the middle of or he likes it or not. And Dean Stockwell, because he's got that kind of authoritative sense to him in his acting, you know, he's pretty good at at seemingly like being in charge and giving off that, that energy. Yeah, I could see using him like that. He's not really the problem in this episode at all. No. Like, I think he's well used and the character he is playing is a good one. Maybe the you know, if you really wanted to lean into the quantum leap, you would have made him some sort of academic from Earth or something that they like wants to study something with them. And like, I would have liked to see him as a co-prisoner kind of heckling Archer as they're locked up as cellmates. But, you know, ultimately a help or maybe kind of a I don't know, the the same Tom Bergeron space merchanty, which, by the way. Google is unrelenting with the fucking dancing with the stars bullshit. You, you, you unleash the algorithm on yourself, sir. One search for Tom Bergeron, and it has been dozens and dozens of articles shoved into my feed. I'm furious. Listen, you know, I all I have to say about dancing with the stars is that after they put Christy Yamaguchi on one of those early seasons, I knew that it was just rigged. Right. Like, how dare you put on a figure skater on a dancing competition against amateurs and not expect her to clean up? That is bullshit. I'll never forgive them for that. (laughs) I've stopped Uh, watching. I've been boycotted ever since. So Dean Stockwell, what's his name? Colonel Colonel Gratt. Was that what it is? Yes. Colonel Gratt. Here's what's going on for uh, these these knockoff humans. The Suliban, and this is some cool world building we will find out, had an ecological disaster or something that basically made their home world uninhabitable. And a majority of the, well, not majority, all of them 
that survived the collapse of the planet were 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 transitory uh, migrant whatever out, and some of them continue to be transient, and a bunch of them just said, "Fuck it, we're going to set up shop in whatever areas we're in." And things seem to be working pretty honky dory. We find out that the lead Suliban character in this episode actually was from the same homeworld as like the the Clancy. What's his name? Clancy. Yeah, the chief guard, the major, the major. You know, uh, major dickhead, bald spot. Again, right back to the space Texan episode. Anybody with the bald spot, evil authoritarian figure. So uh, everything was going real good until. As you said, the uh, the cabal, which is the <laughs> the genetically augmented mercenaries of shadowy future figures. Correct. Nailed it. <laughs> you got it. Started, you know, doing the bidding of future evil or evil guys of the future. Uh, and that has not only brought them into conflict with Starfleet to whatever degree that's currently at, but around these parts, shit's pretty serious. Yeah. Grad goes on to say that like whole ships and colonies have been destroyed by the, the, the cabal. Like they are a serious enemy that has caused them serious pain. Now, again, the parallels to what they're trying to draw are intense, right? Like, if this is supposed to be Japanese internment, well, guess what? There was a huge uh, flow of of uh, Japanese immigrants into the West Coast, and you know, their them and their descendants were American citizens, and they were integrated into living on the West Coast. And then a terrible attack happened, and thousands of people died, and were involved in the Second World War. And you're like, maybe everyone needs to go on a fun sleepaway camp. And by fun, I mean indefinite internment. And by sleepaway camp, I mean in the desert. Um, and so they, they do try to like strike that balance by trying to make the, the threat of the cabal serious enough that detaining all of the Suleban seem reasonable. The thing is in the real life thing, it was not reasonable because it's not like space magic. <laughs> Everything was much better on, could be much better understood even the 1940s and that it was not actually a good thing to do. This, you're talking about space magic time bullshit with genetic engineering and fucking shape-shifting and being able to squeeze underneath fucking doors like you're, you're uh, the, the goddamn Slender Man. Like, this is, this is a lot of different level. This is like space horror bullshit. Like, being paranoid of this is much more rational. <laughs> so... You and I are both D&D guys. Yeah. You introduce that doppelganger antagonist. No, no it's, everyone's going to have knives out. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if I can trust you or did, did the did the DM tell you just to pretend that, you know, like who who's the bad guy? So I get where he's coming. I do like they accidentally make the bad guy seem way too rational because they think that they've got it all fucking packaged up so perfectly for this real life parallel they want to do, except the stakes are way out of line. I mean, uh, Grat even goes on to say, you know, I understand this camp is terrible. I don't want this to be here. But when all these attacks happened, we had 17 Suliban civilians murdered by, you know, pitchfork and torch mobs the first day alone. Like, 
this is happening for their protection as well as our own. Uh, it sucks. And the sooner we zap these uh, cabal guys, the sooner everybody gets to go back to regular world. And I know that we and I have a bad habit of always kind of sympathizing with the devil in an enterprise, but they make it way it's too easy. Habit. <laughs> it's a habit we've had our whole, <laughs> our whole adult lives. And, and specifically in writing a sympathetic villain is the best villain. That's the way you have to do it to make it come off well. But the flip side is your hero needs to not be a fucking moron. And that is the balance that the enterprise writing staff just can't seem to get their hands around. You know, you, you take the space dicks customers going up against, uh, the, what would we say their names were dittos? The the slug Pokemon. You've got this fucking internment camp out here going against like <laughs> power leveled shapeshifter time mercenaries uh, who are also, you know, trying to blow Enterprise up occasionally. And, and, and they keep positioning the Starfleet characters to, I don't know, hit this weird wall of uh, self-righteousness that I think just you lose the ability to sympathize with them. Yeah, you do because their decision-making becomes just more and more chaotic and unreasonable because what happens after this conversation, which seems, you know, pretty rational, pretty normal guys coming off as a little like bureaucratic, but seems to vibe on some things that we've seen. And Archer is, you know, like Mayweather's all pissed. They got to stay there for three days like a fucking child. He acts like the fucking kid in the back of the Winnebago. You just want to smack upside the head for like the first two acts. But Archer seems to accept it. And, you know, they're just like in their cell eating their fucking goo. And then um, they want to get some more water. So Archer goes out and kind of like has a uh, stiff conversation with one of the Sulabond named Danik was like the lead Sulaban uh, for the episode and accidentally gets him in trouble that he's going to like spend the night in isolation or something. And it's like supposed to be the first clue that something bad is happening here. It's like, yeah, you're in fucking prison, bro. It's like the guy didn't actually get beat and he was back out the next night. Like as far as prison stories go, that's light, man. Like compare that to the shoot. Like this that's is what not- I was getting to. Like <laughs> this, this certainly isn't club med. But it's not the shoot. Yeah. Yeah. This is minimum security prison. You know, he's getting their throat slit over some fun size Snickers in here. All right. And they're growing like leeks and stuff. They got their like fresh vegetables and all this. Like everyone, everyone seems to be not thriving, but surviving well. You know what I mean? And the plot from here is on in terms of what's in the the internment camp is about. Archer having these conversations with uh, with uh, Danik and then eventually Mayweather with another Solobon named uh, Sajin, uh, where they are figuring out that these guys are not part of the cabal. They don't want to be here. The system kind of sucks. They're being, you know, some families have been torn apart because of this. Yeah. And what's been three years since they've been in this thing? Yeah, and the authorities are not being very responsive and, you know, they've got their own suspicions that, like, they would like to just, like, nuke the place from orbit and then bounce and not have to worry about it anymore. And Archer immediately, 
without a single conversation with another character, not Mayweather, not Danik, not T'Pol, no one 100% backs the, the, Sul- the Sulaban's position within the prison and refuses in any way to cooperate or speak reason to, to Dean Stockwell for the rest of the episode. He gets pulled back up with Grat. Grat goes, hey, you know, I understand you were involved in an altercation last night that someone had to go into uh, isolation for the night. You know, you should have taken up my advice to keep your head down out there. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about this problem we're having with the Suluban. Here's some more exposition stuff we've already covered. What do you know about him? Oh, I don't know anything about him. This is Archer, right? You can take this story and you can put it out as the internment camp and the disadvantaged population and the overzealous government. And that's that's one thing. But when you go, all right, here's the biggest threat to enterprise so far. And it has been the Suluban temporal war that has now been proven because you had uh, Daniels, Daniels, yeah. right? Um, you've been in a fist fight in the Helix. Uh, all of the. Uh, the, the Daniel super tech on board, the cloak and dagger ship uh, with the Klingon empire and like them trying to draw them in uh, forced is involved. Like this is, this is the big plot for enterprise so far lurking out there. These are the big bads. You've seen like the shadowy tomorrow person. They gave you the, the cheese that Porthos just ended up shitting all over your quarters with. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, Silic's a bad dude. He's asking, what do you know about this bad dude? And you're like, fuck you. Like, really? yeah, Silic. Silic, we've had a big problem with this guy. Have they said anything to you about the temporal war? Here's a bunch of inside baseball that like you and I, we might not be BFF, but the enemy of my enemy is is a friend or at least, you know, hey, let's have a quick information swap. Maybe you might be able to learn some stuff, too. They're doing genetic testing on these shapeshifters that lets them quickly uh, ascertain who and who is not a Sulan, which uh, if you remember back to the Space Pilgrim episode, you know, you had fucking Silic on the ship fucking around. So, you know, I I get Archer not being like, oh, my God, let's be best friends. Can I sleep in your room? And, you know, we're going to have fucking uh, dinner dates together or whatever. But I would say the bare minimum, the reasonable thing is like, Okay, well, let's let's have this conversation because so far Starfleet's been pretty lucky in that all of the Suluban fuckery has been limited to Enterprise. But what Dean Stockwell's talking about, like massive acts of terrorism, colonies wiped out, ships blown up, this blah 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 blah. Like this dude's got serious losses, and yeah, he's continues- got he's got real cause to be paranoid and concerned about these people. He does know the difference between like, I've got these Suluban in this camp because I know they're not involved and I need to protect them from the consequences of all this bullshit that's happened. But we know the real threat is out there. We should talk about it because we can help each other. And if you're going to go down the route of not having Archer play ball with this guy, I understand that as a narrative choice, but you've got to give me something to explain why. Have them walk into a room where the Suluban have their skulls cut off and there's like electrodes going into people's brains and they're doing like, you know, cosmetics aerosol testing on their eyeballs and like other straight up villainous shit. You've got to have the Dean Stockwell people 
over the event hori- moral event horizon, right? Like you have to have them go over the moral event horizon for, to rationalize that or something that they are able to be told some other better circumstance that can come about of doing the jailbreak instead, right? That would have been the other option of like, hey, Archer, if you can get us out of here, we can help you with this or that. We can get you this, you know, yes. inside scoop or something like that. Like if you're not going to take the very reasonable offer from the reasonable jackbooted thug, then you need to have a reason for some other alternative that isn't just, but, but my morality, right? That, like that thug needs to have like a chain sword for a stick or the Suluban that you are basically, uh, entering into an act of war with these guys on behalf of the Federate on behalf of Starfleet, the Suluban prisoners need to have a gold plated carrot or, and, and that God, that's the other thing. The idea that they basically blow this prison up, and it's like, this is not consequence free. You just got into a shooting match with another civilization you just fucking met over some people that were being mildly oppressed. <laughs> like, not like you, never, you had to save their lives, not you had to intervene in the you know, there were serious consequences. Let, it was let's let's wrap up the uh the plot overview real quick here before we start getting into like <laughs> expanded what's wrong with this. So uh Dean Stockwell's like, hey, listen, you know, let, let's talk about this. Archer, no, I don't know anything about that. And he goes, OK, well, I just caught you in a big lie because here's your fucking personal logs. And now you're showing me that um, I can't trust you. And maybe there might be alternative uh, reasons why you're here and all this other paranoia shit, which, hey, who else was super paranoid, bordering on unreasonable, Joe? Was it the Andorians? In fact, it was who actually did beat the fuck out of him and treat him really poorly and like do all sorts of crazy terrorist shit. And he cut them all the fucking slack in the world. Uh, ultimately befriending him like this, this Archer. Kathy Janeway was just nuts all over the place, but like Archer, the more, I don't know, the bigger the stakes, the stupider he gets. Yeah. And, so dear doctor, and I'm not going to harp on it, but like an entire fucking world is going to die. Oh, shucks. Well, my morality, fuck them. You know, we're going to let this play out this way. Uh, this, Hey, here's, here's fucking massive acts of terrorism and people dying and all this other shit. Uh, well, I don't like being strong armed. Like even Mayweather has a fucking conversation with him shortly after this meeting, with Grat, where Mayweather was like, dude, why don't we just tell him, like, you know, no, I, I, no, my morals. I don't like being, I don't like being told to do things. Not only, yes, well, let's talk about that. Not only am I not going to assist him, uh, because I don't like being told what to do. Remember when a certain, uh, direct supervisor said, uh, Earth can't be getting involved in interspecies conflicts? Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Direct words from his boss. Not only am I not going to advance our own agenda, I'm going to. I'm going to start shit with people we don't know and that the consequences are not going to therefore be predictable. And who know where our home world is because they have clearly downloaded all the information. So what happens, John, when you decide to do a strafing bombing run on this prison 
and and bounce all these people out that they show up in force knocking on Mars like, hey, what's up? Your boy came and fucked our shit up, so we're going to fuck your shit up. Like, yeah. what are you doing? The fuck are you doing? Now, mind you, they don't seem like they're very good uh, fi- good fighting because apparently they are felled by Enterprise's shitty torpedoes. <laughs> so yeah, the first they- time for that. Yeah, aside from the Nausicans, it's like the only time they've like clowned anybody. Dean Stockwell gets Enterprise on the phone at a certain point, and he's talk trying to talk to DePaul, but of course you've got the ever emotional trip over there popping his fucking mouth off. So we like, should hey, just jailbreak. We should yeah. jailbreak him right now. Hey, here's what's going on. It's going to be three days. We're going to transport him over. You're welcome to go to the home world. Maybe take a tour, check it out. You know, meet meet some new people. Do your exploration thing. Uh, to Paul's like, okay, well, you know what? You're an alien species where we should play by your rules. She even lays that right on Tucker. If you want to explore your customs, you need to respect their laws. Seems like great things. I really like the idea of, uh, the Vulcan lawyer. Like what a great character concept that's gotta be. Oh, Jesus. That guy, anal retentive would not even begin to describe a Vulcan lawyer. That's uh, that's that's that's, like, that's the reoccurring character I want to see as the Vulcan lawyer that like, has to come and frequently bail. They would absolutely evaporate in any room that's that person would be in. And like just, they have to consistently bring him into like uh, lobby on behalf of imprisoned crew members as they meet new things. You know, uh, of course, that that plan doesn't hold and Enterprise ends up tracing the signal back to the prison colony. They fly over. They use the transporter, which remember, Hey, we got one of these things. They beam down a communicator. Hey cap, we're here to get you. You let me know when we're going to beam you right up. No, we can't. (laughs) Not yet. Bring guns. (laughs) No. What did did Archer say? Earth has to be getting involved with interspecies. That's, that's what he said, right? Yeah. Cool. Hey, beam down explosives, beam down the fucking explosives. I'm just, I'm rubbing my head. Like, they just escalate this to the nth degree for no reason that they provide within the narrative except internment bad. You <laughs> have to do better than that, but that's just it. This was a message episode. They didn't feel like they had to do better than that. You know, the audience knows this is bad. You've read the news. Therefore, you don't need a further explanation. And that's that's part of the problem when you do these kinds of message episodes and, you know, the the timing of the thing that you messaged to fades. It's like watching old ass episodes of Law and Order. Because, like, sometimes you hit those the rip from the headlines, one rip from the headlines ones. You can and if you like, you know what that's based off of. And it gets real fucking weird because it's so, like, linked to a very specific point in time. It's that fucking problem. So if they beam down explosives, they get a little plan together. Uh, Archer gets everybody riled up and says, hey, I've got a way out of here. Uh, Conveniently at this internment camp, there's also a hangar just filled with getaway cars ready to go, including the shuttle pod because we can't lose any. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to stir some shit up here and it's going to be go time. Uh, There's a couple Suleban that are like, ah, this seems like a bad idea. Uh, you've got some throwaway dialogue between Mayweather and this guy about, you know, don't preconceived notions, racism, bias, all that other stuff. By the end, they're they're BFFs. Uh, the, the part of this episode that really killed me is that when 
Arch is basically selling Mayweather on the stupid plan. But there's kids in here. There's kids. Think of the kids. Mayweather, think of the kids. Think of the children. You mean the children that are presently safe and that we're going to imperil and through a jailbreak? Those kids? Which is great. Or like the kids (laughs) that you were content to have die of AIDS back to your doctor yes the the fucking kids of course archer the the advocate of the children we have to make a pledge that after i'm not after season one we have to let dear doctor go we can we 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 never forget we can we can use it for the rest of season one we have to let it go at some point man we have to damn i I let go of scorpion you have to let go I this. can fit deer on one set of knuckles, but I can't do. <laughs> Just uh, tattoo it on. Yeah. Deer dog. That'd be cool fist tattoos, right? And I will continue to beat Enterprise up with those because it, it this fits the profile. I mean, minus the fact that now all of a sudden uh, you just had a change of heart about the kids. Forgive me for not singing. I'm fighting a cold right now. <laughs> But Cap, I thought you didn't care about kids. We let all those other ones about to die. No, I've had a change of my heart. So they set up some explosives. Uh, Mayweather pops off to the mean bald guard. Oh, they they put Reed in makeup. They put Reed in In green face. In green face. So he shows up to like help out. And then um, he beams down. Tucker does uh, strafing runs in, a, in the other shuttle pod to blow up like Which, gun emplacements. Can we? Okay, so, you know, it's go time. We're going to do the jailbreak and cut loose, and we're going to have a bunch of civilians go against the military or whatever the fuck, and, and we're going to see how that works out. Also, for the first time, I'm sorry, the second time ever, we do have the military superiority with our slightly better guns. Am I to believe that the fucking shuttlecraft has phasers? Yes. So the ship flew out without phasers and it got its ass kicked a lot because it's fucking torpedoes suck. But the shuttle pods, the two shuttle pods have like for the time Death Star lasers attached to them. It could just wreck shit royally and never at any point do they think, hey, maybe we should either like deploy the shuttles during a fight or I don't know, like duct tape the shuttles on the nacelles of the <laughs> ships that we have like. Guns. guns. I mean, I think they just decided that they wanted to do the the bombing run, and they weren't going to make up new effects for the shuttle pod weapons, and they just decided to use the phaser effects. Like that's probably as far as I went. Like, yeah, they probably got phasers on them now. They've put them on, you know, like whatever. There's an amusing scene before they actually start the fight where to Paul they they show up. Uh, Dean Stockwell figures out they're up there. He calls, "Hey, what's going on? I'm still trying to be reasonable." Paul's like inviting him to dinner and then giving him the Vulcan database, which seems um, real reckless to use that as a weapon and just like, I'm going to drop so much knowledge on you. It's going to, I don't know, fuck up your sensors for a little bit, but hey, here's all our info. For yeah, free, so we can beam down Reed <laughs> with the bombs. Sneak that him was, in, yeah. But yeah, they do the, the, the attack run. And then what was really weird to me at the end was all of the major Suliban characters are basically unaccounted for. So remember like Sajin, who's like the main one the guy who's looking for his wife and has a daughter. 
No, that's Danik. Danik is the main oh. one. He's he gets pinned down in the like the common room, and then Sajin is the one that's buddies with Mayweather, and like he goes to rescue him, and then you never see what happens. Like I guess everyone made it to the shuttle pods. I guess like they don't actually show anything occur with like all of the characters we've met. The consequences aren't important, Joe. It's just you know the important part is that. Archer shows you that he's a, a good dude by causing a stir. Uh, the, I, what, what happens exactly where somehow uh, Colonel Grock or Dean Stockwell ends up in a room with a gun and then, you know, has his little fist fight with Archer. And they make it clear that like the Suluban and Archer could kill him but they, they leave him alone and he's like quivering in fear and like has this moment where he like realizes like they showed mercy like what he already knows. These aren't bad guys. Yeah. We were all reasonable here. Like you, in fact, were just explaining to Archer, like you haven't actually helped these people. Now they're going to be like out there in this bullshit. You know, what if they get desperate and they choose to turn into the fucking cabal? You're like, this isn't helping. There's two parts of the cabal. I didn't understand one. They make a claim that uh, the cabal will try to aggressively recruit. And the other was that the cabal was actually at odds with the civilian population and might even be like attacking and killing them regardless, which one of those seems pretty serious. And and I would have liked to get a little bit more information on that. But like there's no uh, change of heart or realization to be had for the bad guy. He already knows this place uh, is full of civilians. He's genetically tested them he doesn't like the fact they're imprisoned and he understands that they're not killers he's just trying to keep things and and i hate you know we're sitting here like apologizing for the devil and and trying to like downplay but this is the this is the fucking way the episodes have been presented it's ridiculous it makes archer out to be a terrorist yet again a stupid one at that you know it's not even like he's uh it's it's just a wild morality hair up his ass like he's actively uh, the actions he's taking not only are a detriment in that like it identifies Starfleet as a hostile faction, but like here's critical information you could have gotten about the fucking uh, time uh, temporal cold war and the shape shifting bad guys like the, nothing he does makes any fucking sense. And it all comes back to exactly what you said. Either these Suluban had to have some fucking great reason that Archer had to do a jailbreak to get them all out or uh, this this needed to be a, like not. Uh, an internment camp. This needed to be fucking Auschwitz. I, I think that would have been probably the the easier way to go, right? Like, or or if you want this episode, I'm sorry, this series to be bold, where sometimes the characters make decisions that you aren't comfortable with, or they make the wrong decisions, and that this is a learning process, right? Like, dear doctor, like take all the hate I have for it aside. Uh, they made a decision and maybe the decision was not the right one and they have to live with the consequences of that. Have this prison break fall on its face. Have a lot of good people die, have the guards get everything under control and all of this ridiculous jailbreak shit all be a big waste of time and Archer have to sit there in his ready room being like, man, I really fucked that one up. Yeah, no, that would, I completely agree. That would have been, that would have been a better way to go. That his hubris to put his moral stamp on something gets people killed. To Paul goes in there and says, "Why did you do that? What did that bring you? 
we have to follow the cultures and the rules of other societies. If you want to be a part of the galactic community and you want people to expect, you know, or respect Starfleet and the way Earth does things, you got to do the same for them. And this is why you can't just go around putting your dick in everybody's mashed potatoes. This cowboy shit gets people killed and you got to learn a lesson. This is a this is a hard lesson you got to learn now. Instead, it's just yay. Episode's over. It sucked. Look at me. I virtue signaled the Suluban. What's Suluban? I, I don't know. <laughs> Fuck him. Hey, listen, I, I we put bombs on a wall, made them beep so the guards would go over there and look at it so we could specifically blow it up in their fucking faces and then dip. Yep. What do we watch next week, Peter? Season one, episode 22. Vox Sola. There's a uh, trip covered in cum. I don't know. He, he's glued. <laughs> A strange alien creature comes aboard the Enterprise and captures several crew members in its jizz-like web. With her crewmates' lives in jeopardy, Hoshi faces her biggest challenge yet in trying to communicate with the life form in order to return it to its home planet. Why don't you beam it into space with the transporter? They should just break the fucking transporter. The transporter at this point could solve so many plot things. I don't think they've made it dangerous enough. I think it needs to like be fucking up constantly moving cargo to reinforce why we cannot use this thing. And when it I mean, fucks up, like have it blow up the like like knock out entire power grids and like have them stranded in space. The fact that they used it in an emergency beam up situation and wound up beaming twigs into someone's head, I think did communicate some of what we needed to see. Sure. Maybe that's why we don't use that on like children and the elderly. But when it's like Frangi attackers or a fucking uh, the 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 queen alien cocooning people so face huggers can jump them, I think it's safe to beam that stuff. And if it kills it, like <laughs> chalk that up as a win. That like okay, well at least the transporter like turned it inside out so it died before the vacuum of space had a chance to kill it. Take this episode, and then you compare it over to fucking stupid acquisition and the way Archer acts and he treats some things super serious and we're going to war and I'm going to, we're going to cause this jailbreak and, and maybe put Starfleet at war with, with the, with the fucking Sulu bonds, other enemies versus, Hey dudes are stealing our fucking thermonuclear warhead torpedoes and trying to sell my friends into like sex slavery. Yeah. Like, Let's have a rip-roaring good time jerking them around. Yeah. Not no big deal. Enterprise is getting awful. Enterprise started really strong, and Enterprise is getting fucking miserable. I'm glad that we could have this catharsis for you. I'm glad you were able to just to vent these feelings, Peter. It's what the it's what the people desire. It's what they come here for. And next week, speaking of come, we'll see the jizz. <laughs> so thank you for listening to Vija, please. And we will see you next week.